<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via telehealth and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, the Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian, and the newest book, Gut Feelings. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the Telehealth Center, we actually have brand new telehealth patient options now open and lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners, we're giving away free signed books every single month, no matter when you listen to this episode, all you have to do for a chance to win is head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple Podcast review itself, or you could take a screenshot of that Apple Podcast review and message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And every single month, my team and I will be going through the messages on Instagram, as well as the Apple Podcast reviews themselves, randomly picking winners every single month. And then I'll reach out to you. I'll ask which book you want me to sign and we'll send it out to you. All right, good luck. Let's get to today's guest. Her name is Ashley Nicholson. She is the founder and CEO and chief snack officer, that's official y'all, of BTR Nation. BTR Nation is on a mission to help fix our broken food system. When Ashley's parents were both diagnosed with rare forms of cancer, she became their primary caretaker. Between chemo appointments and radiation, Ashley and her family were always on the move, eating junk out of the hospital vending machines and cafeterias. With a background in biochemistry and food studies, she took to the kitchen to create an on-the-go snack that was actually good for her and her family. When Ashley's parents passed away, she made it her mission to share these nourishing snacks with the world. You're going to learn so much from Ashley today. Let's get right to it. This is Ashley Nicholson's Art of Being Well. Ashley, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Will. I have been so excited for this for 
so long now. This is literally a milestone for, for myself and for the company. So just, I'm so honored to be here. Well, likewise, I'm so excited that you're here. I have, I've told you this before we started recording. I've been a longtime fan of what you're doing with BTR. And I'm excited for people to learn about this amazing company because many patients will ask me, they want something convenient. They want something that tastes good, but also loves them back and is convenient for on the go, busy lifestyle. And there's so much conflicting and confusing information in the snack aisle can be yeah. overwhelming, right? So 100%. I, something that I recommend to patients is BTR. So let's talk about what you're doing. I'd love to know like the backstory. I know a little bit about it, but I'd love people, people to learn more about it. And then we'll get into all the myths and truths yes. about snacks what they should look for on labels, yep. some shocking, surprising things you're going to learn in today's conversation. So let's get into it. How did you get into the, the space? How did you, what's your story? Yeah, well, it's a crazy and wild industry. So my why runs very deep. BTR is very personal to me. I started the company as really as a tribute to my parents. BTR actually stands for Be Bold, Tenacious, and Resilient. And that's my parents' personal mantra. And both of them were diagnosed with very rare forms of cancer. My mom had a leomyosarcoma and my dad had appendiceal cancer. So like 0.001% in the world. Uh, so it was, it was a wild couple of years. We ate out of hospital vending machines for nearly four years and hospital cafeteria food. And it was appalling. I was just disgusted by what they were serving my parents what they had available for us. So part of our mission actually is to get our product into hospitals nationwide. And we're making that happen, which is really exciting. But I was their primary caretaker. I took them to their chemo appointments, radiation, everything possible. And I was just so exhausted and so stressed myself and putting all of this junk and you know mainly sugar laden, tons of additives and preservatives. I just felt worse and they were feeling worse. So I took to the kitchen. I have a background in food studies and biochemistry. So I had always been tinkering. I was always someone who cared about wellness and, and health. And I took to the kitchen to make something that was better, something that was low in sugar, but not using sugar alcohols and stevia and allulose. And I don't even think allulose existed back then. Really just derived from real nature and boosted with these nutrient-dense superfoods that were just easy to digest. So I took them to the hospital, doctors, nurses, people were like, these are really yummy. Our, our cinnamon cookie dough and dark chocolate brownie bars were the first ones. They were bites at the time, but they were the first two recipes I made in my own kitchen. And my father was, my mom passed away very quickly. So she didn't really see a lot of what was going on, but my dad loved it. He was a huge fan and just supported me every step of the way and actually incorporated the company and said, I want you to do something with this one day, go make it happen. And when both my parents passed, I, I tabled the idea for a while. I actually went to work in the supplement industry and a, a company that believes in food as medicine and surrounded myself with the people that were my my people. And in the in the middle of the pandemic, I end of 2020, early 2021, I was kind of in this mindset of, okay, I've learned a lot. I really need to do something to honor my parents. And I took my recipes to a co-manufacturer and said, I want to make these exactly how they are. I don't want natural flavors. I don't want additives. I don't want anything unless it's going to make the product the absolute best product it can be. And we had one co-manufacturer that said, okay, let's do it. It's not going to be cheap, but let's make it happen. And that's, that's how we started. And here we are today with tens of thousands of customers and 
We're launching into retailers nationwide. And I hope my parents, I think they're proud. My mom is probably like, why would you do this? Go get a stable job, Ashley. And my dad, though, he was an entrepreneur at heart. He would have loved this and have been in the warehouse with us every day. So I think that I'm just so happy to be able to be able to tell their story because their lives were just cut way too short. And I'm hoping that I'm passing on their legacy. So Ugh, you, w- you are without a doubt. I mean, I didn't get to know your parents, but I mean, without a doubt, I just feel, feel that passion and that love and your dad's entrepreneurial spirit. I can only imagine he's up in heaven <laughs> cheering you on. Yes. For sure. Oh my goodness. I, I usually cry once or twice on a podcast, but it definitely, I'm a very spiritual person. It definitely hits home. I, I talked to my talk to my parents all the time, especially when I'm making big business decisions. I just need to feel their energy and their presence. They are Mm -hmm. very involved in this, you know, in this company. I can just feel what they would say and, you know, what their response would be to certain things Mm -hmm. and really fuels me in my decision-making and how the direction of the company is. So. Yeah. Wonderful. It's beautiful. And, you know, just speaking of that on, on a personal level, but also on a macro level too, like so many of our loved ones, their quality of life is cut short. The actual years, the quantity of lives are cut short because of chronic health problems. And it's so tied to our food supply and what people are fed, especially when you talk about snacks. I mean, we live in a snack culture in many ways, right? And we are, so many people are feeding their chronic disease and they don't even know it. So I meant to talk about that. I mean, talk about the ultimate irony of hospital food. Yeah. I mean, a place where people are dealing with these chronic health problems. And yet, what are they fed? In the vending machines, but also within the actual meals. I know there are like there are pockets of good things when it comes to mainstream systems that are trying to do better. Yes. I know that. But maybe you could speak on that. Like you yeah. know more, you're you're trying to get this your amazing products in the hospital system. Are you getting pushback? What are you hearing from from people in that system? Yeah, over the years, I feel like it is getting better. I do feel, you know, when I, I, I take a look back at my journey with my parents and it's, you know, I mean, here they were undergoing chemo and radiation, could barely eat anything and they're bringing them donuts. And it's, it was just, it was crazy. And then, you know, I would talk to, staff and be like, okay, well, I'm, I'm making these smoothies for my dad because I want him to get some more protein in. So I want to make sure that he's, you know, getting, he had a smoothie with collagen. We had some plant protein in there and I would make them for him every morning. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned, my mom was, it was really tough. They both were diagnosed very late stage, but my mom's cancer was just so, so aggressive. So really at that point it was preserving quality of life, but my dad survived for three years. And, you know, we tried to get as good quality, real food into his body as possible until the very end where he was essentially on TPN and just needed to basically get intravenous nutrition any way, shape or form. But I got, I did get pushback at that time. I was like, oh, well, nutrition is not really going to do anything. And it was, that was just the default where, you know, we, we absolutely, we were going through chemo and radiation. So we did do traditional Western medicine practices, but at the same time, there was no holistic perspective where what's the harm with trying out this smoothie. Like it's not, it's not hurting anyone, right? It's just getting nutrient dense foods into his body. Like if anything, that would be, would be helping. And there was just pushback was like, Oh, just let him have whatever he wants. And I do, you know, I understand the philosophy where 
he was fighting something and, you know, he wanted to enjoy certain foods that, you know, from his childhood, I definitely got that. And when that was the case, that was the case. But when he was diagnosed really early, when he was diagnosed first, I said, you know, let's, let's try to go as holistic as possible and see what we can do and prolong quality and prolong life and quality of life. So that was the focus. But I, uh, for example, I had a colonoscopy, endoscopy colonoscopy a few months ago. And as soon I knew to pack BTR Nation bars with me because I knew what they were coming out with. And they gave me two choices. You could have a donut. I don't know what's with the donuts, but we've been (laughs) offered a lot of donuts over the years. A donut (laughs) or a packet of graham crackers with high fructose corn syrup and preservatives. And I just literally had a colonoscopy. Like this was not, I didn't feel well. The prep is horrendous. I was like, I need something that I feel good putting into my body and something that's also going to keep me full and something I can keep down. So I actually recorded myself and I recorded the whole process in the hospital and it was literally our most viewed. I don't know why people cared so much about my colonoscopy, but it was our most viewed Instagram stories ever in the two and a half years that we've existed because people don't realize that they can question. I think that's the thing is, you know, we, we feel like we can't question authority and I 100%, you know, get it and we want to respect and show respect to a profession at the same time, it doesn't hurt us to be eating more nutrient-dense foods after we're coming out of a treatment or a procedure or anything like that. So we do get pushback and we're really excited. We onboarded with US Foods and that's giving us an opportunity to just really be picked up by the, the hospital systems that they're just ordering of their own accord, right? They see a product that's lower in sugar, has clean ingredients, and they're just placing those orders. And we're just getting on hospital shelves that way, which is great. But we do obviously see pushback because it's like, oh, well, I already have like, I have the bars that have been around for decades. Like, why do I need another bar? And, you know, those are already performing really well. And that's what people care about is not really providing that alternative. I'm not saying, you know, take the the Reese's peanut butter cups out of the vending machine. Like that's just not going to go over well. I get it. But why can't we have one or two alternatives? And I share a lot about this on TikTok and Instagram. And we have, you know, we've had so many vending machine videos go viral because of this, because people think that we're like, I want to take away their their peanut butter cups. And that's not what we want to do at all. Like, we just want to provide alternatives for people so you can see what it feels like to actually feel good when you nourish your body with real food. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, it's it's having choice. It's having the agency to decide whatever you want, but you have... Like there's no choices right now when you're talking about so many, it's it's variations of the same thing. Exactly. So people can have whatever they want. All right. So let's talk about the most common ingredients. What are the most common ingredients that are in snack foods? And people don't know. They're the sneaky culprits that could be really messing up how they feel, impacting their blood sugar negatively, impacting their digestion, their gut health, their brain health, their energy levels, causing that crash. Let's go through the list so people can vet their snacks and know, know what they're taking, if what they're eating on a regular basis is loving the back or not. Yes. And so my pet peeves, really, one of them is, is natural flavors because, because it's a loophole, right? It's a catch all not, I, I don't want to say not all natural flavors. I, and I don't like using good or bad. I really don't love the dichotomy. It's just, I I don't love natural flavors because they're not transparent, right? I guess that's the best way to, to put it is it is so challenging for even manufacturers to know what's in a natural flavor. So I just for research sake, I will call flavor houses and be like, well, can you give me the ingredient list? And like, no, 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 it's proprietary. That's the, that's the first thing that's, that's said. And 
like, well, how am I supposed to tell my consumers what's in this product, right? Like how, how am I supposed to know? I have food sensitivities. I have IBS. Like how am I supposed to, you know, to do that? And they're like, oh, well, it's only, it's less than 2% of the nutrition fact panel. Okay. But, and I get that and I appreciate that, you know, I mean, although there are brands out there that definitely use more than 2% on their, on their panel, why can't we know what's in our food system? That is, I think the biggest pet peeve. And it's something that we try to do a lot of education around. We don't, it's in almost everything. So it's really hard. Like I can't avoid it for certain things. I mean, I'll, I'll pick up a packet of crackers and it has like natural butter flavor. And I'm like, just eat butter. It's so, so challenging to avoid that. But then there are companies that they'll actually share and they were able to get that information. They're like, this is what's in my natural flavor. And I feel a little bit better then because I know what I'm eating. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's great. The other one that's big for me is maltodextrin. It's, I don't know why it needs to be in everything, but it seems like it is in everything. So I avoid it just because I can feel when I eat things that have a high level of maltodextrin, I feel like it gets stuck in my gut. And that's, you know, emulsifier. That is what it's, it's basically intended to do. So I'm not a big fan of that. In bars, I mean, it runs the gamut. I mean, you can have things from titanium dioxide. That's a big one for me. I mean, there are literal studies about how it can be carcinogenic and it's the, the first question I get is, well, how much do you really have to consume for it to be carcinogenic? Well, why do we need it? Really? Like, why do we need it at all is my question. And that's not up to the consumer. I feel like it's the industry that still needs to, to do way better because there's no need for a better for you item to be, to be classified as better for you. And then it has titanium dioxide and maltodextrin and sugar alcohols and you know all the things. At the same time, I don't want people to view BTR Nation as this brand that's doing all this fear-mongering because we're not. We're just coming at it from a place of, you can trust us and here's why. Here's what we do in comparison. And, you know, it's not to say like, we're, our bars are not accessible everywhere yet. The goal is that they are, but what do you do if you're in a place and you're, you know, in a pinch and our bars aren't there and you didn't order them online or on Amazon, right? You have to do what's best for you and you just have to make the best decision possible for your health and for what feels good. And that's the, that's the education that we're, we're really trying to share. But at the core of it, it really comes down to the brands that are Mm -hmm. helping to fix our broken food system. And, you know, I don't want to be all doom and gloom here. I feel like we're making a lot of progress and I feel so much has changed really in the past five to six years. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited for it. Yeah. I've seen such a shift over the past 13 plus years that I've been in telehealth and in this space professionally and and even longer, just as always being a health nerd with this stuff, is the growing amount of an informed populist, informed consumer, people wanting better and demanding better. And if even, I know, like if you look at Expo West, right? That (laughs) for, I mean, we know this because we're in the space, but like the largest natural health food expo, right? In the world. Yes. That would not have been the case in the 90s and 80s. Like it was like the crunchy granola bar, like small group with people. Now it's this massive industry. That's in large part because people are demanding better for you options. Right. So it's it is changing and I'm so excited for it because consumers are are getting savvier. They, you know, I have I don't remember this shift really in natural flavors. Like I used to eat products that had natural flavors all the time. And you know, like I said, I still we still do, right? Hard to avoid. But 
it really wasn't until I was doing my own research and, you know, tinkering in my own kitchen where I was like, what actually is in this natural flavor? Let me figure out what's there. And when someone tells me, no, you you can't get that information, that's already a red flag that's going off in my head. But it's, I feel like we've made so many strides and I just can't, I cannot wait to see where the next decade goes because I do think that there is just so much that's going to come to the forefront and we're just Mm -hmm. getting back to eating real food and eating from the earth. And it's, that's where we want to be is, you know, obviously these are packaged snacks, right? Like it's, you know, there's some type of, like it, it's slightly processed. However, how can we get the min- most minimally processed possible snack that's accessible, that is, you know, packaged for you, that's already portioned out on the go. And that's what we're trying mm-hmm. to do is really just make the most minimally processed mm-hmm. real food comes from the earth and put it in a package and it still tastes good because that's the other issue is Mm -hmm. our taste buds have been hijacked over the years. And we're so used to these very like highly concentrated flavor profiles that are not actually real food. So Mm -hmm. for example, we launched our brand new strawberry shortcake bar and it is flying. It's so good, but it tastes like strawberries, right? Like it tastes like real strawberries as opposed to if, you know, I'm sure you've tried it back in the day, but most consumers know like strawberry flavored sparkling water, right? Like that is fake. I don't want to say fake, but it's naturally flavored strawberry water, but that's coming from 50 to a hundred other chemicals and strawberries being one of them. So how do we, you know, how do we make a dent in, in, (laughs) from a taste perspective and educate consumers? Like this is what real strawberries taste like again, like come back to, come back to what real strawberries taste like in the world. So you're making me think of like, when I was like a little kid and try like these gums or candies or whatever, artificial or flavorings you think of the strawberry taste and the watermelon is another good example like yes. that's not actually how that fruit tastes <laughs> not at all watermelon is the one i use as an example all the time because watermelon really tastes like it tastes like water with a little bit of yeah. subtle sweetness and that is not what like a you know a sour patch watermelon can yeah watermelon like. gum does not taste like watermelon right? no, not at all it's mind-blowing really and when i do that and banana is another one as well because right, we, have a, we right. have a banana nut bar and we actually see people really gravitate to that because it tastes kind of like banana bread whereas most people don't like banana flavoring because it tastes like like that banana runt that you would have as a kid right. and that is just not even close to what the real food tastes like so i think that's where education comes in. And, you know, Mm -hmm. on the shelf, it's not as easy to educate the consumer. So our whole goal and why we launched direct to consumer first is so we can talk to the customer and share with them, like, here's why. And, you Mm -hmm. know, here's why it's very difficult for us to make a birthday cake flavored bar and why it's, we tried to make a salted caramel and it backfired because it's caramel doesn't grow on trees, right? So it's when you see a low sugar caramel flavored item as a snack, that's a red flag because how are they getting that caramel caramel flavor in there, right? right? So (laughs) maple sugar and maple syrup might get close to the caramel, but like when I see a low sugar caramel bar, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's all fake. So yeah, what are they using? Yeah, exactly. What are they using to replace that that caramelly flavor? So I I could talk about it for, for ages. So I love it. One of the things that I know that you are thoughtful about, and I'd love for you to educate the audience about it are gums used in products. What, when we talk about gums, what are we talking about? We're not talking about chewing gums here, watermelon chewing gums, but what, <laughs> uh, what are, what should they look out for on the label and why, why could they potentially be a problem for some people? 
Yeah. So it's uh, gums are another one. It's something I've just learned to avoid over the years, really from trial and error. I, this was years ago. I probably, I mean, I remember picking up this ice cream. It doesn't exist anymore. And I think the first ingredient after water was like erythritol and guar gum. And it never made me feel good, but it was low calorie. It was, you know, I was running marathons at this time. I was trying to make sure I kept my weight at a certain point. Um, a lot of these like low cal, low fat, low, you know, even low sugar, right? That's why we we have to give people the caveat, like, yes, we are lower sugar, but we're we're not using the sugar alcohols and the gums and all these other additives, which is exactly the white space that we're filling is like no one else is doing that because most low sugar brands also have to try to keep it really cheap. But these guar gum, you know, guar gum, acacia gum, they're just they irritate the gut and in large quantities. And, you know, once again, it comes down to people saying, well, like, what's the, what's the amount, right? It's, it's so, it's different for everyone, right? Like what feels good in my body might not feel good in your body because we're all impacted by our own, you know, our own health system that's going on in the ecosystem of our body. So it's why, why consume it if you don't need to? So that's where it's, you know, if it, if that's something that we can remove, these things should be easy to remove from our diet. I wish they were easier, but that's what we're trying to do is this, the guar gums of the world, the maltodextrins, the natural flavors, the sugar alcohols. Those are things that if we can remove them, mm-hmm. we, I feel 10 times better. Cause I used to eat sugar alcohols all the time. So I'm like, Oh, this is great. It's low sugar. I have a family history besides of a, a crazy family history of cancer. I have a crazy family history of diabetes. So I'm like, okay, I, I want to avoid sugar, eat sugar in its natural form, love fruit, love nuts, all of that. But I want to try to avoid, you know, all this cane sugar and all this, you know, sugar that's in everything right now. Mm-hmm. And sugar alcohols must be better because that's what was in, you know, five, six years ago. And now people are starting to realize like, that's what's irritating your gut. That's what's irritating our microbiome. And so those are the things that I tend to stay away from. Obviously, you know, not all the time. We cannot be perfect. We just do the best that we can. Uh, and mm-hmm. if, if it is something that I consume, I'm like, okay, that's great. I consumed it. Wonderful. Moving on. I'm pro- going to try not to consume it every day. So mm-hmm. that's my philosophy. I love that. And I, as somebody that deals with uh, people that have gut health issues. You mentioned you dealing with IBS, you know, in your life and people that have other inflammatory GI issues. What I have found is consistent consumption of foods that contain gums are a problem for some people that have digestive and gut health problems. So I don't, I don't, whatever you want to share, whatever you're comfortable sharing with your own journey with gut health. A lot of people that listen to the podcast also have gut health issues and they're looking and they maybe are surprised by that. Like, oh, I didn't know to look at that. Like what, what are some of the other things that you personally in your own journey with, with IBS found that didn't love you back so much? Yeah. So, so I have IBS C. So I, I, I feel I'm very open about talking about poop all the time because I think it's important. Welcome to the club. Yes. We just, (laughs) we need to be normalizing this a bit more. I mean, gut health, issues impact 70% of us at this point. Like there's just so much. So for me, you know, I try to reduce stress as much as possible. This is outside of the nutrition world. And this is why I love your book so much is because we're also talking about, 
you know, deep trauma, right? So obviously I lost my parents before the age of 30. It's a trauma that stays with me. A lot of healing I've had to do and it's not linear, right? So like there are days where I'm still like, oh my goodness, I feel like this happened yesterday and I feel like I haven't done the healing that I needed to, but a lot of trapped emotions, a lot of stress and starting your own company. That's also probably not recommended. No, it's it's actually a wonderful, I have to say, it's actually a wonderful journey. I'm not sugarcoating it. There's crazy high moments and crazy low moments, but um, actually working for someone else was was causing more stress for me than being able to at least live my purpose day in and day out. So the stress levels have lowered a bit, but I still get stressed, right? And that 100% impacts my gut just as much as nutrition. So that's why I don't want people to feel stressed when they're looking at a nutrition fact label and they're like, they go into the store and they're like, oh my goodness, what does this mean? What does this mean? I don't know. Maybe this is good. That's the thing that we want to avoid. We want to take the stress out of that and make people feel comfortable picking up a snack and, you know, and feeling good about it and trying to give education in these nuggets that just make it easy, easy to digest. But um, those are the things that the gums and the, the sugar alcohols and obviously natural flavors that I, from a nutrition standpoint, stay away from. But it's uh, it's not it's not always easy. Sometimes you just have to uh, suck it up and you know do what you can and also keep your stress levels. It's all a balancing act, is what is what I found. Um, but then at the same time, I feel like if you're especially if I'm eating something with sugar, like sugar, dairy, those are a couple of other things, and I still consume dairy, and I know it does not respond well for me. And literally, the past couple of weeks, I definitely have been consuming more dairy than I would like. And it just doesn't work in my body. And I can feel the difference. I can just Mm -hmm. feel my stomach hurting and bloating and just like that like curdling feeling in your stomach. And I hate it. So I have to to pull back a little bit from the dairy. I do not have celiac. So I do eat gluten. I try to eat as much like from an ancient grain perspective as opposed Mm -hmm. to highly processed because I do feel crummy when I'm eating, especially like if it's just like, you know, basic pasta. I, you know, if I'm going out to eat, it's overwhelming. So I feel where people are coming from because I own and manage a food company and it still is overwhelming. Obviously seed oils, right? Like I feel like everyone is talking about seed oils and I have been, I've been talking about especially like canola oil, rapeseed oil for years. I remember going to restaurants like 10 years ago and being like, do you cook in canola oil? Because it, for me, it actually makes me break out and it really impacts my skin. And I noticed a complete change in my skin when I removed canola oil and vegetable oils from my cooking. And this was mm-hmm. a decade ago. My parents were alive because they were using canola oil. And I was like, why don't we switch to this thing called avocado oil? And they're like, all right, let's try it. And But it was more expensive. So I'm like, oh, well, let, let's just try it out. And I mean, for weeks at a time, we were using avocado oil. And all of a sudden, my like, I have dermatitis and it completely was gone. So I was like, I think this has to do with, the, it was the mm-hmm. only thing I changed in my diet. This has to do with the oils. So since like over a decade ago, I've been asking restaurants, they're like, I don't know what oil we cook in. And it's challenging, right? Like you can't tell them, you can't bring your own oil to the restaurant, right? So <laughs> it's the balancing act, right? Like yeah. knowing this is what I can control in my own home. And this is what I can't control when I go out to eat. And that's okay. And yeah. I might, you know, if I feel a little bit off, maybe it's because of this and knowing that and being able to make steps moving forward. I love that. And you're right about the the restaurants. Most people don't, most places, they really have to do some digging to even find out. And even their olive oil, I've seen some places, they'll actually, it's like a olive oil canola mix. Blend. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they so cut it. They cut, yeah. yeah. It's, it's to save money, right? Like it's, money, a, yeah. it's a good money saving technique because 
you know, canola oil is cheaper. I, I still don't understand the, the whole marketing campaign. I feel like this was in, from the 90s about how I remember seeing these commercials and they still exist about how vegetable oil is so good for your heart and so heart healthy. And it's, it's so interesting because it really does come down to marketing because that could mm-hmm. impact someone's choice on the shelf where they're like, oh, I saw that commercial, you know, a couple of days ago and I should probably pick the vegetable oil. So it's up to brands and the industry to, to do better. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we're, we're getting there. Yeah. And we're having these conversations and I, to be clear, like you and I keep saying with the caveat here, we're pretty, it seems like you're like me in the sense that we're pretty moderate and centrist with these things and just pro-choice and pragmatist. It's not the end of the world if people have some seed oils. It's just, we're talking about the overconsumption of it. And there's a lot of bioindividuality. Some people are going to have more skin reactions or digestive symptoms or inflammatory problems. Some people can get, get away with it here and there. No big yeah. deal. Yeah. The body's amazingly resilient. We just want people to have informed consent and be like looking at these areas that are oftentimes mixed, missed. And especially when there's so much marketing and it's sort of ingrained in our culture that these things are quote unquote healthy. Well, not necessarily. Certainly the over the consumption of it is not. So I'd love if you could decode sweeteners. You know, you talked a little, I think you, you've, you said it in passing. I think you're going to surprise a lot of people to know that the overconsumption of these sugar alcohols could be causing digestive problems because a lot of people are looking for the low carb, yeah. the sugar-free, and they know the artificial sweeteners don't have the best research around it. So they go for these other sugar alcohols, et cetera. But can, can you look at, as you were developing BTR and your deep dive research and expertise in ingredients in food, what are the common sweeteners? What are your favorite sweeteners? And what are your least favorite sweeteners? Yeah, it's such a great question because when people see our brand, we actually have changed our packaging uh, for our, our truffle cups because we have no added sugar on the front. And we had people ask like, oh, well, if there's no added sugar, then you're probably using sugar alcohols in here. So now we have no added sugar. And then we have a caveat that says no sugar alcohols or stevia which it's crazy years ago, that would never be there. But I, so I personally, so I'll talk about from my personal perspective and then from making the the decisions for the business. So I personally consume monk fruit, stevia, obviously day. So I do consume stevia. It does not impact me the same way that it could impact someone else. I don't consume a lot of it. I just, if it's on a label, I'm like, okay, it's fine. However, I really, really look to find the source of the stevia because stevia is usually cut with something else. And that's the challenge. Sugar alcohols, I avoid because for me, it's a gut issue. I know there's like a lot of research that has recently come out around sugar alcohols, which I think some of those studies were flawed because they were in, you know, compromised individuals already. So it's, I take that with a bit of a grain of salt. We need more research. But there is obviously a lot of research around overconsumption of sugar alcohols and the gut because our gut is not made for that. Uh, The reason I personally love monk fruit and the reason we use pure monk fruit, so no sugar alcohols in sight. And I always, if people are like, are you sure you don't use sugar alcohols? I'm like, here's our bill for the pure monk fruit. It's $500 a kilo in comparison to sugar alcohols, which eight to $10 a kilo to buy from a consumer, from a a brand perspective. And then compared to cane sugar, which is, you know, a dollar and change. So it's the such a radical difference. Monk fruit is a precious commodity and actually has antioxidants in it. And there's some nutritional value there, but it obviously it's still a sweetener, right? So it's an alternative sweetener. And the reason I like it so much is because it's a fruit. It looks like a melon, right? It is something that it, I feel very comfortable consuming. And there's a lot of research that shows the antioxidant properties in monk fruit. Um, At the same time, we understand if consumers are like, I don't like how it tastes because 
monk fruit to some can have an, a bitter aftertaste like stevia. Um, it usually depends on what it's what the what the source of the monk fruit is. So for us, we actually we sourced five or six different types of pure monk fruit extract to taste them all and to make sure that it wasn't like this overly sweet, like cloyingly sweet. And that's why our products are subtly sweet. Like you're not even really going to get um, a ton of sweetness from them. And that's a whole other story where consumers or some consumers are like, wait, I thought this would have a lot of sugar in it. I'm like, it literally says no added sugars. It's so, it's so interesting because no added sugar to people, sugar alcohols do taste really sweet, right? They have that cooling effect in the tongue as well too. So it's so interesting to see people's perspectives there. Um, but for us, we use a touch of pure monk fruit extract. Um, but then it's complemented by, you know, naturally sweetened by nuts and spices and dates. So actually the leading sweetener in our, our truffle cups are organic dates. And dates are one of my absolute favorite sweeteners. I love coconut sugar. I don't consume a ton of honey and maple syrup, but I do consume maple syrup and honey, especially if it's like if it's raw honey. I know where it's coming from. It's just a lot of maple syrup and honey can also be processed. It's tough, right? Because once again, we're trying to make the best decisions for ourselves. And it's, you know, it's like, oh, well, if I choose this and I don't choose this, I never want consumers to feel that overwhelm. So for mm-hmm. us, we try to just boil it down to the simplest elements of Yes, we are lower sugar, but no, we're not using these additives that are going to be inflammatory for your gut. We're using real ingredients that are derived from the earth. And here's why, and here's how we do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. And most of your bars, if not all your bars, are only around two to three grams of total sugar, right? Correct. Yes, correct. Got it. I'd love to get your take on this. When you look at the back of a nutrition label, people are, are used to seeing it and they see total carbs and net carbs. I've written a lot about it, but still so many people don't know what that even means. Like, could you explain like the difference between the two and what your, what your take should, is being in this space? Absolutely. And I will start this by saying, so we had a customer a couple weeks ago, reach out to us. It's like, I love your product. I've never been able to find anything like this, but can you make it have zero carbs and zero sugar? And I was like, well, you're going to eat cardboard because that doesn't exist um, without all of this other junk, right? So there's trade-offs. So total carbohydrates is the total amount of carbohydrates that are in the product. And then net carbs subtracts things like allulose. It subtracts things like fiber. It subtracts things like um, glycerin, which we do not use in our product. So it subtracts things that essentially can pass through the digestive system without spiking your blood sugar, your blood glucose levels. So for us, it is very important that we are a low glycemic product. And the reason why is it goes back to our mission. It's, you know, with my parents battling cancer, I was not about to give them 25 grams of sugar, especially early on in their cancer battles, right? I wanted them to, I wanted to prolong life as much as possible. The other thing is I come from a family history of diabetes. So I really want to be mindful of my sugar intake. And I know that the average American consumer, I think it's now consumes between 68 and 70 grams of added sugar a day. And the recommended max is 25 grams. So there's something that's that's missing here. So regardless, if we can do something that's low sugar, while also giving clean, real food ingredients, we're going to do it. The sacrifice there is I think when people see any amount of carbs that are like, oh, this is 20 grams of carbs. And then all of a sudden now it's like two grams of net carbs because there's a bunch of additives there or too much fiber, right? So we're really mindful of our fiber in in our products as well too. Um, I used to consume, you know, a lot of protein bars. I was a personal trainer. I ate three bars on the floor and they each had, you know, I don't even need to name the brand. We all know had like 21 grams of corn fiber in them each. So in 
two hours, I would have like 60 grams of corn fiber sitting in my stomach. Uh, Obviously, like 95% of America does not get enough fiber. So we need some fiber, but we don't need 60. We don't need 20 grams of fiber in a bar. So we were really mindful. You know, we obviously we work with registered dietitians and naturopathic doctors and experts to help us, you know, approve our nutrition fact panel before going to market as well. So that's the other thing is, you know, there are these brands that they'll have, you know, a higher amount of neck, they'll have a higher amount of carbs, but then they'll have 20 grams of fiber and they'll throw that on the label. And that is also hard for the body to digest. So mm-hmm. we make sure that it's the right amount of fiber for, you know, someone who wants to enjoy a, you know, a bar in between meals. So you're mm-hmm. not getting overloaded with fiber. So that's the, it, it's also a delicate balance and it's why we end up, we don't make a new bar every single month. Like props to those brands that do these limited edition drops. Like I wish we could, but we can't because it takes us eight to 12 months to recipe test and formulate and get it approved and, you know, get our stamp of approval on it. So we're very particular about how we source and where we source and how we make the product. So that is just a testament to ingredients and quality Mm -hmm. and all of that. Yeah. So true. I love that you touched upon that. A brand that uses a lot of sugar and then just pumps a lot of corn fiber in it so that it can say on the label X amount of net carbs to make it look better than it actually is. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what brands can do from a marketing jargon terminology. Is there anything else like marketing terms people should look, look out for, be savvy consumers with to, to maybe question or look a little bit further on the context of that? That's a good question. I think, you know, natural is one of them, right? That's really greenwashed. Like we don't refer to ourselves as a natural brand and people are like, oh, well, this is great. You use natural ingredients. I'm like what is, what does that even mean? It's just, yeah. it's so diluted at this point. I do think that it's very interesting when I see certain things like gluten-free on like eggs, right? Like things that are naturally (laughs) gluten-free. I find that interesting because I think they're like, we are a gluten-free product, but we're a bar. So it does make sense for us to, you know, to share that we're gluten-free. We're also gluten-free tested and and third-party tested and verified. So that's important for our consumer to know. We've, you know, produced in a facility that doesn't use wheat in their products. Like I think that looking at the back. And that's my biggest recommendation. And I know it's, it's hard because you have a minute to less than a minute, five seconds to make your decision, but encouraging consumers to spend maybe just a couple seconds more to do a quick scan of the ingredients or a quick scan of the mission behind the company, or just like what actually, like what the nutrition fact panel actually looks like, as opposed to just going at the, you know, the front of pack. Got it. And now what we've covered a lot of things to look out for, be mindful of, or educate yourself on. Let's talk about some superfoods. Like what are your favorite superfoods? And like what, and I guess superfoods can come with a certain flavor profile. I'm assuming it would be, be a challenge maybe to put them within a bar and still have it taste good. So let's, let's start, let's back up a little bit. Like what are your top favorite superfoods and, and why? such a good question. I think superfoods also come with this, like what really is super about that? Yeah, right. And, <laughs> right. you know, at, at the core, it's, it's just the nutrient density, right? Like, yeah, we're talking about nutrient density. Exactly. So that's, you know, I, I do believe in the power of food and what it can do for us, but also I want to give food a break as well too. Like sometimes it's just about getting good nutrients into our body. 
hands down, my favorite superfood is maca. My favorite, I also love the category of functional mushrooms. I am a big mushroom girl. We use mushrooms in almost all of our skews. Some of them don't. Like we're very particular. Like everything is everything is focused on on the functionality of the product. So like our banana nut bar is our nourish bar, right? It's a good recovery bar. It's a good de-stress relaxation bar. It has ashwagandha in it. So we are really, really, it's it's so interesting because we have people ask us all the time, like no bar is the same, right? None of the tacos are all different. Like that's the point, right? Like food is supposed to be, right? Like if you have something that's like a cherry chocolate, it has different elements to it than a cinnamon cookie dough snickerdoodle, right? Like it's a, it should be a red flag when every single bar looks the same and then just the natural flavor is swapped out. Or if you see a product and it is labeled as like strawberry pie and there's no strawberries in the product, that should also be a red flag. Like where is that coming from? So hands down maca. And then my favorite mushroom is reishi mushrooms. So I love anything that's going to help just modulate and regulate my system as someone who I've generalized anxiety disorder, I have IBSC. I'm looking for things to help my body stay in a place of homeostasis and not get too, you know, spiked on cortisol and cortisol and overwhelmed. So those are my favorites. And what was the other question? Well, no, I love that. Let's start let maybe hang there for a moment. I, okay. I love my, I love maca too. It's a wonderful adaptogen. I've seen it really be very supportive of that hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, support hormone balance across the board, not just with the adrenal glands. And it's also packed with antioxidants like vitamin C Mm -hmm. and other minerals. I love reishi too. I think it's a great functional mushroom that also has adaptogenic qualities and has that calming effect. So the second part of the question was, I know those straight up can have very like strong flavor profiles. How do you when you're putting in these these functional foods or adaptogens in, how do you work your magic? How, how do you do that? It's hard. It is really hard. So like we, in our cinnamon cookie dough bar, we use 500 milligrams of maca, which is pretty, and 140 milligrams of cordyceps, cordyceps mushrooms. So it's a lot. And this is why we're able, why we use nuts as our base. So nut, especially like maca has a bit of a nutty flavor profile along with the earthiness of it. Nuts is just a great base. Nuts and chocolate essentially are good ways to kind of mute the the earthy elements. But we also, we have a shorter shelf life than other brands. So our bars have a 10 month shelf life. Chocolate has a bit of a longer shelf life in general, but um, we do not have a two to three year shelf life because once you're, you know, you have our bar for two years, it's going to taste, it's going to taste earthy because the Mm -hmm. flavor profile evolves and we do not have any natural flavors in the product. So it is not easy. And that's something that in the beginning I said, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to regulate this from an operations supply chain standpoint and just make sure that our operations are so tight that we can do that because it is super challenging to have a bar with a shorter shelf life. But we also know that real food it goes bad, right? Real food, the flavor profile is going to evolve. If you're yeah. going to eat, if you're going to buy something like use the McDonald's hamburger as an example, and it stays the same five years later, what is in that product to keep it fresh like that as a mm-hmm. beef product? Like it's, it's concerning and scary. So for us, we actually focus on, you know, using the absolute highest quality. We roast our nuts. So we're able to get that nice, like, creamy roasted texture and taste within each of the bars and within each of our chocolates. And it gives it, it, it's, it helps mute those superfoods to the best degree possible. So because taste mm-hmm. is 100% king, right? So like we also mm-hmm. make sure that our shelf life, it's only 10 months. We keep making fresh batches for people. So they get the absolute best taste of all of our bars. 
And they taste delicious. And I, I don't mind those tastes at, at all, even if you had them, but I can't taste any of those functional ingredients. That you've makes done me so great, happy to hear. You've done a great job. You've done a great job. For, for, for the picky eaters out there, you just taste the, the delicious stuff that people exactly, love. Exactly, exactly. And it's it's super hard to do, but that's my goal. I also, like, I like the taste of maca, right? So it's mm-hmm. a, we'll have 1% of the population come to us and be like, this tastes a little earthy. And I'm like, well, it comes from the earth. And, and I'm okay with that, right? So like 99% of people like this have been waiting for this product and are mm-hmm. obsessed with it. And we have our, you know, our loyal tens and tens of thousands of customers who have ordered 50, 60, 70 times. We just had someone, I just took an email from someone who literally was like, I miss the sale. Like I need this product. My husband has COVID and I have a knee injury and like, I don't know what snacks to eat and I can't get to the grocery store. Like, please, like, can you just reactivate my code for one, for this one time? Yes, yes, of course. Like people, there's a need for it, which is just Mm -hmm. crazy to me because that's exactly, we're trying to fill this need and people are getting it. So. Mm -hmm. I know, I know there's a massive need for that, for, for snacks that are good quality. Something that I appreciate going back to labels and like, marketing jargon is the fact that you're using therapeutic doses of these functional superfoods. Oftentimes brands in the natural, like healthy food space will throw around words like adaptogens or functional mushrooms or whatever, because it sounds good and people are looking for this stuff, but there's like just negligible amounts of this stuff. You're using, you mentioned 500 milligrams of of an adaptogen. That's going to actually be supportive of people's hormonal and like calming stress levels and not just for the sake of a label. Yeah, it's a solid amount. And, you know, I, I tell people this is not replacing your supplements. That's not what its intention is to be. You know, we are trying. That's why we always get everything approved by our, we call them the BTR collective to make sure that, you know, they know what's going in here. And we're not, like I said, trying to replace your your typical supplement, but we're just giving you that additional boost of reishi and that additional boost of turmeric and and ashwagandha if that's something that you're already consuming in your life. And if it's not something you're consuming in your life, like welcome to the world of adaptogens and we're exposing you to that. Mm -hmm. you, You mentioned chocolate, right? That's a question that oftentimes people will ask me. I, I'm glad we're bringing this up that the fact that high quality chocolate, I would put it under a superfood and so many, so many people love chocolate, but a lot of chocolate's really junk out there. It, it's really cut and there's a lot of additives. It's like, it's like lost all its magic and potency as far as nutrient density is concerned. Can you talk about why quality matters when it comes to chocolate? Yes. So our truffle cups, it's a labor of love, this product line. It is quite difficult to make. Basically the taste profile of a truffle and the texture of a nut butter cup. So we use a one-shot depositor to layer the chocolate and the nut butter on within that nestled within that uh, coated cacao. So it is the process of sourcing. We sustainably and ethically source our cacao and cocoa butter from Ecuador. We're also getting, we're trying to build some redundancy into our supply chain. So we're also working on sourcing from Peru and Brazil and and just a variety of options, but they're from regenerative farms. So for me, my focus was, okay, the cocoa supply chain is really, really broken in itself. There's a lot of slave labor. How can we make sure that we're supporting our co-ops that we're sourcing from in the best way possible? 
How can we make sure that it's sustainably sourced in the best way possible? So there's a lot that goes into chocolate. And I, I was like, oh, we'll make a chocolate product. This is fun. And it is, but it, it definitely is. It's way more involved than the sourcing for our bars. And on top of all that, we're, we're sourcing our nuts. We source all of our nuts for all of our products from California and Oregon farms. We're trying to do that as locally as possible. But then we go to Peru for our maca because that's where maca is grown and it's grown at those high altitudes. So we really, really sourcing is like a full-time job uh, for us over here. And chocolate most of the time is just full of milk and sugar. And it's really the cacao is barely noticeable. So it is so, so important to get to know. And this is what I encourage listeners to do is get to know the brand that you're buying from, right? Mm -hmm. And get to know the founder and their mission and ask them questions because they're going to share with you more about, like I'm sharing right now, more about our sourcing story and the process. And, you know, making sure that, you know, not everyone's going to be able to eat 100% cacao, right? Like that is, it can be really bitter. We're at 79% cacao because we combine it with dates and it is, it has that perfect subtle sweetness, but it's really important to look out for those. Once again, those crazy additives, like most chocolate has soy in it. Most chocolate, obviously like, you know, major brands are using these interesting questionable preservatives, but even in better for you brands, looking at how much sugar is in the product, if dairy impacts you, is dairy in the product? All of those things, even there, you know, there's a ton of additives that go into chocolate too and natural flavors, which is weird. Chocolate is so delicious and just so amazing on its own. I don't know why we need to add natural flavor to chocolate, but usually that happens when you're taking the sugar out. So that's why people question low sugar brands. And, you know, we're here to tell people that you can be a low sugar brand and also bringing that flavor without all of those other additives. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, you mentioned at the top of the conversation about when you had these recipes, you really worked hard on making them delicious with premium ingredients, nutrient density, and the cornerstone of your intention of the formulation. But then taking it to a co-manufacturer, I can only imagine was very difficult. You mentioned only one co-manufacturer was willing to not change anything because what is it? It comes down to cost, right? Or like an access, I would assume, and kind of shaking up a system where, no, this is the way we do it. And you're like, no, this is the way I want it done. How difficult was that? And I mean, like give people an insider's look on what that even looks like. Yeah. So with, with the bars, especially because most bars, they're all, all really the same and we're doing something quite different out there, even though at the end of the day, you know, people see a whole aisle of bars, but we really are filling this need in this white space. Um, we interviewed probably like six or seven co-mans in the very beginning. And, you know, we also were looking for someone who can do some lower minimum quantities. Um, but we, I remember distinctly one conversation with a co-man where they were like, oh no, 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 these are too many ingredients. Like we're not going to hold those for you. Like you just need to have a base recipe like most of the big brands out there and then just change the flavor agents. I was like, well, that doesn't work for us. So they're like, okay, well, we can't work together. And that was that. With chocolate, it is actually... It's, it's a lot easier. So our co-packer for chocolate is a world-renowned chocolatier. So they have like the best taste buds for chocolate and they know what they know what's up, right? So being able to say like, here's what I've been tinkering around with in my kitchen. Here's what I want us to do. They're like, thank goodness, we've been waiting for a, a brand to come out here like this. But for bars where it's, you know, everyone and their brother starts a bar brand, it can be really challenging. So making sure that you are very clear on what you want, if there's any listeners that are looking to start their company, you know, be clear on your non-negotiables in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So true. I know it's probably difficult for you to choose like picking one of your own kids, but like what is your personal favorite 
BTR Nation flavor? Okay. So it changes all the time. Right now I'm on a strawberry shortcake kick, but I have to, I think dark chocolate brownie is my favorite personally, but it goes back and forth. Cinnamon cookie dough was my favorite for a really long time. I do. I do love them all like kids. And then our chocolates also hard to choose, but cherry chocolate, I would say is, is our fa- is my favorite because I do like a little bit of sweetness and our snickerdoodle flavor has like a spicy kick, like a Mexican hot chocolate, which is delicious. And then our brownie batter is like for the real dark chocolate lovers who just want like decadent richness, you know, on top of decadent richness. But then the cherry chocolate, surprisingly, most people are like, oh, it might have that like weird cherry can be polarizing, but not our cherry, right? Like we're sourcing Montmorency tart cherries. It's so delicious. And it gives it that nice, looks like a little cloud. <laughs> I love it. That's another good example. The cherry flavoring versus actual cherries. Two oh different God. things. So who, different. Who, who made these up? Watermelon, banana, cherries. What else did we say? Strawberries. Yep. Grape is another one. Oh, like, yes. Grape is grape. really big. These flavor houses, it's, and they're really the only ones that know what's in there. It's just, that's the thing. But uh, I, I do think that it's changing. Consumers are getting savvier, you know, thanks to people like you who are just, you know, raising awareness. Like, it's fine. Like we do the best we can, but here's what actually this means. And people mm-hmm. are like, Oh, I didn't realize that. Like those are the consumers that I love. They're mm-hmm. like, thank you for shedding light on this. Like it's it, instead of the, you know, consumers who are like, don't take away my Reese's cups. Like <laughs> never, I understand, but here's an alternative. So you can, yeah. you can try both and see what you think. Yeah, exactly. As you know, you listen to the podcast. Uh, the podcast is called The Art of Being Well, but at the end of every episode, we have your art of being well. This is Ashley's art of being yeah. well. Yeah. First question uh, is, what is the worst tasting healthy food that you still eat? It tastes disgusting, but you still eat it because of maybe some nutrition science behind it or some health benefits. Mm, yes, this is a good one. I would have to say anything with moringa and wheatgrass. So I love, I love the benefits, and so I try to, I try to mask it in smoothies, and I love the benefits of both of them, and I, so I still consume it, but I. I don't like moringa and wheatgrass in a physical, like a snack. And I think that's why the snack industry becomes so challenging. Whereas a beverage, it's like, okay, I'm just going to throw it back. Right. And it's like, it's like a shot. (laughs) I'm just going to throw it back and embrace the benefits. But when you're eating something and chewing something, it it brings this more, this emotional perspective into Mm -hmm. your head and it brings back nostalgia. And if it's not something that you associate with from, you know, childhood, you might not like it as much. So that's why the snack industry has such barriers, but moringa and wheatgrass um, are the things that I just, I just take them because I know that they're good for me. That's a good answer. Really strong. Both of those. What's your favorite natural scent? Like something from nature that really is therapeutic for you? Yep. Yep. So either lavender or lilac. So I love whenever I, so we live in San Francisco, my husband and I, and we on our, on our block, like a couple of blocks down, there's a house that actually has like lavender growing. And I just, every time I walk past it, like I always go on, take at least one walk a day because that's what helps me process my life and just feel so good um, and re-energized. And I always pass that lavender and I just feel so good and relaxed. So so good. So good. If you had to pick coffee or tea, what would you pick? Actually, so shocker, I don't drink coffee or tea. What? I should. I know. I know. I don't drink coffee at all because I don't do very well with um, a ton of caffeine and I just start getting jittery. The mm. last time I had a cup of coffee was actually at Expo West and I, <laughs> it did not agree with me. Like bad stomach pain and I felt so jittery. So I haven't, haven't had one since. 
I have my husband drinks tea all the time. So he's always trying to make me a matcha. And I, I, one of those things like the wheatgrass. And uh, so I will have like an iced matcha, but I, I have a problem with hot beverages. I know it's like, I love bone broth. I love soup, but I don't like consuming hot beverages. It's, it's weird. But if it's an entree or an appetizer, I'm fine with it. So I'm working on tea. Do you like iced tea? I do. So that's why like I'll have a, a, a matcha is also another, I should have mentioned matcha in yeah. my, my list. Matcha, wheatgrass, and moringa, all things that are tough to, a little bit tougher to consume because they are just like that extra element of earthiness. Yeah. So I will do an iced matcha. But iced it, matcha. Okay. Yeah. So I will do that. And then, you know, I'll use, you know, I'll try to just use some like coconut milk in there to try mm-hmm. to like lighten up the earthiness. But because I'm not adding any sugar to anything, I think that's the thing is people think they like matcha when they're drinking like a very sugary matcha drink, but that's not the same as like what real good quality matcha, right. you know, ceremonial matcha should be. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's definitely the case. I was in, and I know this every time I leave the States that I'm such an American, but when I'm there, I was at the, in the UK and Ireland recently. And I, I knew the answer was going to be no every time, but I asked every time nonetheless to just see if maybe on the off chance I would get some iced tea. I'm such an iced tea drinker, but no, no one outside of the contingent United States drinks this stuff. Wow. I didn't even realize that. That's a, uh, that's it's a, a sad question. world. It's a sad yeah. world. And that is why we live in the greatest nation in the world as iced tea. Yeah. Iced tea. I get it. <laughs> All right. Next question. What's your dream vacation? Speaking of vacations, what's your dream vacation? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I don't remember the last time I took a vacation. I have a 15 month old, about to be 15 month old daughter. And I really want to travel with her. I travel a lot. For, I'm always traveling for business, but I would like to take her to Europe because I have actually never been to Europe. So I've been to the Middle East. I've been you know, to a bunch of places, but never to Europe. And I am Italian, Italian and Finnish in descent. So I would like to do Italy and Finland with my that. family. Yeah. Take, yeah one one of these your, days. Yeah. Well, 15 months is pretty difficult, but you could do it. I mean, you know, it's going to be a... You'll need a vacation from your vacation. Exactly, but, yeah. exactly. I'm waiting. Now she's walking. Well, now she's running, actually. So I, we were waiting to fly with her until she was, you know, in this place where now she's walking and she can like walk up and down the aisles and, and say hello to everyone. So yeah, exactly. now we're, start, we're starting to, to plan something. It's been, oh my goodness, it's at least three or four years since we took a vacay. So we got to do something. Startup life, entrepreneur life. It's, I get it. I get it. It is. You get it. <laughs> yeah. If you had to pick one food for the rest of your life, regardless of health benefits, purely on taste alone, what would that food be for you? So besides BTR Nation bars. No, I'm kidding. Uh-huh. Although the bars really, I mean, they just, they come in handy. So like always on the go, right? I've already eaten two bars today. I think regard, yes, regardless of health benefits, I would probably pick sweet potatoes. I think that's my, it, it's just my go-to and I, it's so hearty and nourishing and just, it can be a meal on its own. So I just, I love them so much. How do you like to prepare your sweet potatoes? I like to bake them. So I bake them until there's like a little caramelized crust and it's just so yummy. And then I'll put maybe a little bit of butter in, a little bit of cinnamon if I want it sweet. And then I'm also, I'm a big like spices fan. So I love like minced garlic and onion. So I'll just like pile that onto my sweet potato too. So, but now I've made a meal essentially. I love it. Yeah, sweet potato as your base. I am such a fan of Japanese sweet potatoes. Have you ever had those? Yes. Okay. I take it back. Japanese sweet potatoes, 100%. (laughs) I've got like five or six in my fridge right now and we need to bake them. They are absolutely my favorite. I'm addicted. And, but they haven't had them in my local Whole Foods until recently. 
And now we're just buying all of them. And yeah. people are like, these are a lot of Japanese sweet potatoes you're, you're getting. I'm like, yeah. have you not tried them? They're so they good. They are so good. And I've had them in many different ways. People get confused sometimes because they're not, they look like your regular potato that's right. a nightshade that some right. people have problems with, right. but they aren't. They are a sweet potato just like the other sweet potatoes, the the orange ones. I've done, even with like burgers, make like buns, like oh, Japanese God. sweet potato buns. And so cut good. them, like slice them in yes. thin slices. Slice oh them, my goodness. Yeah. Okay, maybe Fry we'll do them. that for dinner. Yes. Fry oh, them God. with some uh, avocado oil. That sounds so, so good. good. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to pick your favorite restaurant in the world and when you're there, what do you order? Goodness, this is this is a hard one. I do for so for a while, especially with my parents' health journey, I I was definitely the anxiety was super high. I was definitely a bit paranoid. I was like, I'm not eating out. I don't want to do this. And then I realized that I was just not. I wasn't enjoying myself either. Right? Like there has to be a balance. So recent, I when I started the company a little bit beforehand, especially when I was starting to travel, I was like, I have no choice. I have to eat out and, and, and try and make the most of it. Besides Air One Market, literally, I could just live in Air One Market. I, there's, there's one Italian restaurant. So I love all of my like restaurants back in New York, but cause that's where I'm originally from is a native New Yorker, but I'll give you one here on the West coast is wild seed. It is absolutely delicious. It's actually a vegan restaurant and I, I'm not personally vegan. We do have, you know, obviously all of our products are plant-based. So they, they do cater to a vegan audience, but it is so so good. And they have like these ube pancakes. It is delicious. So they don't, they, at least from what I understand, they don't use seed oils. Cause I still, whenever I go out, I still ask. And I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. I think like if whenever they're like, yeah, we use canola oil. I'm like, okay, like, it's fine. Let me just, you know, bring out your, bring out the food. I, I just want to eat it. But I always love when I find restaurants that are so delicious and so nourishing, but also, you know, have that, those health benefits as well. I love it. So what do you get there? You mentioned the pancakes. Like what's your go-to order at that place? Yeah. So I'm actually, so I'm a big, big brunch fan. So I, we just get everything like that's sweet and savory. So we love, we love their ube pancakes. They also have a really good, they have these like amazing condiments and I'm like, please tell me that I hope there's no canola oil in there, but it really anything and everything off that menu is so yummy. Great. Do you ever go to Starbucks? Controversial question. Do you ever go to Starbucks? And I say it's controversial because some, you know, purists in the wellness industry will look down on me because I get my iced tea from Starbucks. But what, (laughs) what do you go to Starbucks? And if you do, what do you order? Yeah. So when I was, so when I was pregnant, funny story, I, I craved bagels. So I just, and it's the New Yorker in me. I craved bagels. And like I said, I'm not, you know, I don't have celiac. I can eat gluten. And first I, I would eat like a bagel a day and I would actually, like, I tried to get bagels. There's some really cute bagel shops here and nothing is like a New York bagel, right? In the East coast, like you, you kind of, it's so weird for me to eat bagels here on the West coast because the water is different and it just, they don't rise in the same way. My husband <laughs> always talks about this, but we will usually go to like some bagel shop. That's really cute here in, in San Francisco to get them. But sometimes I would go to Starbucks because I'm like, I just need a bagel. And I, the amount of, like the expiration date though was the thing that like really freaked me out because I would go and then a month later they would have the same batch of bagels and it's the same expiration date and like bagels go bad like the preservatives in that I was like oh god so I tried to limit it especially when I was pregnant but if I really needed a bagel I would I you know would grab that but 
we we don't go frequently because I'm not a coffee drinker. But I guess yeah. I guess it would be I guess it would be a big. I, I know I asked that question. I just learned that you don't drink coffee or tea. <laughs> so of that course is, you'd go for bagels at that, Starbucks, I, right? Right? It's uh or cake pop. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I don't think <laughs> I've ever eaten a cake pop actually. But yeah, that actually then I started looking up the preservatives that are used in the bagels, and I'm like, oh goodness. But you know what? It is what it is, right? Like sometimes you have to make mm-hmm. the you know make the best of it. And I'm like, okay, now I know I had my like two or three bagels from Starbucks, and now I'm going to go to like the local bagel shop down the corner. So mm-hmm. we need to get BTR Nation in Starbucks. That'd be a perfect fit. Oh my goodness, you're speaking my language. That would be so. Yeah, I mean Starbucks. It, for all people can talk smack on it, but they f- sometimes have like better options and better for you snack options for people. Not all the time, and yeah. not everywhere, and not all of things. But I like the fact that they're at least trying in certain ways. And I another weird space that I think is better than ever before are is airports. Oh yes. Is, you can get like the random place that are like, oh, like they're giving people better options. We need yeah. we need BTR Nation in every airport. Can oh, we we're do that? Working, we're working on it. Don't worry. There's lots of updates that I can't wait to share, but we're working on it. Great. I can't wait to TBD, everybody. TBD. I'll keep <laughs> you posted. Last question. What is, this is going to be difficult. It's a big question. What's the best advice that comes to mind that you've been given? Oh, usually it's the advice that, I give to other entrepreneurs. I thought that was the one that was coming. I was prepared. No, okay. I, I, this is for you in your is, life. Yeah. What comes to mind that just like, maybe something from your parents? Yes, so it is. It's going to be from my dad. He was always, my mom would say this. She's like, I'm so jealous. Your father is a man of words and he really was. So I actually, I have every card. I actually have a couple in my office here that he ever wrote to me and I've saved them. And I look at them at least once a month to get inspiration. And obviously BTR stands for be bold, tenacious and resilient. That's their mantra, but it's not that. I think the one I'm actually going to go with is my father would always say this thing. And I never really like got it until, until he was gone, affect the quality of the day. And it's, it's that simple of basically like, you know, stop and smell the roses essentially. But he must've said that every day where it's, you know, just, he just was happy in, in life. And, And like, you know, we had, we had money struggles when I was growing up, but he would always be this voice of wisdom where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, we have our health. We have, and that's where the, the health mindset comes from. We have our health. We're happy. You know, let's make the most of what we have and just, you know, embrace these small moments. So that's definitely the best piece of advice. And now I try to do that, especially my daughter and my husband and good milestones in the business is I like pretend like someone's taking a photo of us and that we're like, capturing that moment. And I try to mm-hmm. keep it in my memory. And that's what keeps me going. I love that. It affects the quality of the day. Yes. A-F-F-E-C-T. He always would uh, be like, it's affect. <laughs> I love it. Affect yeah. the quality. Of it. I mean, it's basically like leaving the day better than you found it. Exactly. Exactly. Embrace those moments and, and do good in the world. So I love it. Wise words from your dad. My friend, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank Where you. can people go? I think we have a code for everybody. Yes, we did. Yes, I believe it's I believe it's Will Cole is the code. <laughs> so there we go. That's nice and easy. And that's for 20% off on our website. So we're at btrnation.com. We sell on Amazon. We're in 200 plus retailers nationwide and many, many more launching soon. So exciting things to come. So good. So that's BTR, the letters btrnation.com. Everybody use code Will Cole. You can get 20% off your first purchase and free shipping. Yes. I would recommend my my little 
pro tip for people is to try one of your variety packs so they can try all of the flavors and see which one they love the best. And you also can build your own box too, right? Yep. So we customize everything. So we package everything with love. So yeah, I definitely recommend people trying, trying everything, right? And seeing what works best for you and what you love the most. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much, Will. This has been so much fun. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.